guys. Welcome to the Tappy Tango. We're the weirdest welcome, where you can find all things unconventional, taboo, and totally ridiculously weird. Peculiar. Peculiar. I love that peculiar. 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 Yeah, that was the the greatest word ever. We're just your two little spiritual best friends coming to you live from my bathroom who are here to kind of sprinkle some little tidbits of spirituality that have to do with self-development and just kind of talk about the journey of our lives, the experience we've had. And what's going on in our waking life right now, like what's going on in the world. We're going to move into that here soon. We want to do the fundamentals, break it down for you. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we're going to be like, here, listen. We'll get to what's really going on in this mm-hmm. matrix that we're living in right now. Because, girl. Girl. And guys. People. Persons. <laughs> the collective. You haven't listen watched up. any of our episodes up until this point? <laughs> Tune into when we start uh, mapping out the Great Awakening. Yeah, that's coming. But we just had to lay down the groundwork first the so you knew what we were working with. The fundamentals. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you could get to know us a little bit more, you know, build that rapport. And then we'll get into what's really going on. Because the next few weeks about to be crazy. Astrologically, stuff's about to happen. And we're here to kind of guide you through that. But stay tuned for that because that'll come later on. I feel like in the past few episodes, we've kind of been um, building up to what the shadow self really is. And maybe some of you guys might have gotten a little lost along the way. So we wanted to spend an episode kind of going over what specifically the shadow self is and how you may be able to spot it within yourself. And then once we've kind of established what it is, how to identify it, then later on we can kind of touch more so on, you know, the exercises and things you can do to kind of regulate your nervous system and kind of do that inner child healing or shadow work as some like to say. So yeah, the shadow self by just default, going back to the laws that we talked about, the law of polarity, we always talk about the highest version of ourselves, our higher self. So by default, we have to have the shadow self. So there's two personalities within everybody. You have your higher self. All choices are usually in service to your higher self. And they're persuaded or guided kind of through your intuition. Exactly. And then your shadow self is going to be kind of persuaded and guided through your ego. You can associate your shadow self with like the exiled parts of yourself, the parts of you that, you know, were maybe shunned by other people. Maybe you talk too loud or, you know, maybe you are just an over exuberant person and Mm -hmm. you were having a moment and you were really excited about something and someone told you like, shut that off. That's too much. So then Mm -hmm. you went inward and was like, okay, I guess I can't be my authentic self. Yeah. So then you kind of, that part of you kind of split away, but it went somewhere. It's still within yourself. So the whole idea of shadow work, which we'll get into later on, that's going to have to deal with kind of bringing those parts of yourself back and kind of integrating those unhealed versions of you into the whole of your being. We have so much to say about the shadow work exercises that you can do to help you on your healing journey and those can all be episodes within themselves and a lot of my friends the guests that we'll have on in the future episodes can touch on a lot of those topics a little more in depth so like this could be its own like shadow work series to be honest some of you may may ask yourselves like what makes you qualified to even talk about these types of things because we're not psychologists or psychiatrists i am a medical professional but it's in a completely different fashion i can only tell you 
the wisdom that I've learned from the experiences that I've been through. And, you know, I am very much someone who has to learn the hard way. So this may go in one ear and out the other, but maybe it'll make something click for somebody. And if it helps just one person, then that's what it was intended to do. That's all we hope to get out of this is just helping someone along their journey. Because I feel like a lot of people could benefit from just becoming more aware of the this type of information. So our boy, Carl Jung, he was a Swiss psychiatrist. And the term shadow kind of derived from him way back in the day. But it kind of went over a lot of people's heads. But basically, he described the shadow as the unconscious and disowned parts of our personality. He said that everyone carries a shadow and the less it's embodied in the individual's conscious life, the denser it gets for that person. And like we've talked about in previous episodes, everybody has that shadow aspect of themselves, whether you lived a relatively ideal childhood or whatnot. You got some bumps and bruises along the way. So by default, that's going to add to or maybe spark your shadow self because we don't really have a shadow self i would think um in our young pure years once the first signs of trauma is explicit in your life then that's probably when it starts to slowly create itself and then over time it's going to get big darker denser Mm -hmm. and keep just kind of growing i think we like to think of ourselves as coming into this world this world like whole and perfect but like we talked about and like two episodes ago we are born with the generational curses that have been passed down through our ancestral mm-hmm. ancestral lines so all that will be coming to light yeah eventually and in due time and it just um kind of layers upon one another stacks upon one another each say you have your first traumatic event when you're five and you're five and you don't know what happened and you don't know what's going on you don't know how to heal from it so you're going to start that as your base and then when you're six something happens and then when you're seven a lot of things happen then when you're eight nine ten and then they're just all stacked up in front of you and that creates a very dense a very dark shadow self, it slowly pulls you away from your true authentic self. So your shadow self, we can look at it as like the parts of you that were rejected by other people or even like exiled, like whether they told you, um, it could be as like superficial as like you're too tall. So now you're insecure about your height. You have a very big boisterous personality and a parent or a relationship or a friend says, you're being way too much. I need you to stop. So then you are feeling rejected and shunned from being your authentic, happy, crazy self. Mm -hmm. So internally, you're going to repress that and be like, okay, well, I guess I shouldn't be acting like that, even though that's who you are. And that person just got overwhelmed in the moment, maybe, you know, or maybe they were secretly like jealous jealous of that aspect of yourself. So they needed to put that fire out. And so that goes to show that even positive aspects of yourself can be hidden within your shadow self. So it's not always, it doesn't always have to be this like negative thing, but I I know a lot of people associate it with that. You can think of it, your shadow self as like your inner critic, like that voice that comes up and it may be a negative voice, but deep down when you get to the root of it, that voice is just trying to help you. Kind of running the show when like your true authentic self would be showing up in an entirely different manner on the topic of having like an inner critic 
it came to our awareness that some people do not have an inner monologue. And to me, that concept is just so wild because what are you doing all day in your head? Like, is it just crickets or is it just nothing? Because my brain is going a mile a minute and that could just be my Gemini moon. Like, the thing doesn't shut off. So are you're just there. You're just existing. What are you doing? It's also noises, too. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. All, always like that. And then you talk to me and then it stops. I swear to God. Yeah, it's never just like dead silent. Never. No. Yeah, so I thought that was really interesting that some people don't have, like, a – a voice inside of their head. So when I say, like, oh, listen to the more positive voice in your head, don't listen to the negative one, the inner critic, you would probably be very confused they at that statement. Don't know what you're talking about. And I would love to know if any of you guys out there experience that. And if you don't have a voice inside of your head, please tell me what you're doing. What is going on? Like if you were to sit in a room and just staring at a wall all day, what would be going on in your head? I'd be somewhere else. Yeah. I wouldn't be here anymore. No. I'd be in the woods somewhere or I'd be thinking about a past experience, an old memory, uh-huh. creating futuristic things that might could have happened. Like, I'm just not here. I'm yeah. doing other things. And, you know, I have a friend from back home who uh, when I first discovered this topic, I was asking everybody and she was the one person that I knew that did not have an inner monologue. And I just found that so interesting because she just has this ideal life like she's beautiful perfect little family perfect little life and she feels like sunshine to me and so I was like imagine ruminating on negative thoughts and stuff and just being on a negative loop cycle in your brain and she's like no I don't have any of that and that just makes so much sense because she just lives this little happy life like maybe because we have trauma but like everybody know. has, everybody has experienced some sort of like adversity at some point, whether it's trauma with a big T or with a little T. I have no idea. I'm still kind of baffled, honestly. I think the whole concept of it is so new that like there hasn't been a lot of research on it, but like I would love to know more about this. Yeah. So that kind of goes along with the conversation of NPCs. I don't know. This may turn some heads, but get your little tinfoil hats on because we're diving into the full conspiracy realm here but an npc on a game is called a non-player character so these are the people like on grand theft auto and stuff they just kind of run into walls and things like that like they're, they're, they're trying to continue to walk through it so they have no ability to kind of think for themselves they're just kind of existing so like if you think of the reality that we live in as a matrix as its own little game then it kind of adds up like are the people with no inner monologues the npcs of the world and what does that mean for society i don't know i don't know i think it's just the people that don't really consciously think about their choices and their actions they just simply do but like how do you just do like what do you i don't know figure it out write a book and let me read it because i'm like way too involved in stuff sometimes like, start going down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Start to spiral a bit. But like, really though, like if you're about to perform some type of action, you have the executive functioning skills to go like step by step on what you need to do before you can perform that action, right? These people just do it. What do you, 
how did you come to that conclusion? I don't know. I got like 15 tabs open and like 10 of them are still loading. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't even know what's going on half the time. <laughs> We're just here. <laughs> We're just out here existing. We but y'all really out here. living. Y'all really just here right I now. get it. Yeah. So if you don't have that inner monologue inside of your head at all times, then the shadow self may present itself to you differently. And what I may be talking about may make no sense to you because I can only speak from my experience and from my perspective. So you may have a completely other um, way that your shadow self may present itself to you. Anyways... That was a major sidebar, but circling back to what we were talking about, which was how to identify your shadow self versus your higher self. Your shadow self looks like living in the victim mentality, scarcity mindset, only seeing mistakes in everything you do, complaining about everything, whereas your higher self takes more accountability in order to create a different reality for yourself. It looks more like a, an abundance mindset. You see the lessons in everything, and you're grateful and more joyful in life. And it's not just having that delusional positivity. It's like, say, something happens in your life and you're feeling really sad about it. You're not telling yourself, stop being sad. You have no reason to be sad. It's fine. Let's be happy. We live here. We do this. We have a roof over our head. We have food in our belly. It's leveling with yourself and owning the fact that you feel some type of way right now. You're like, I feel sad about this. Let me just feel sad about it. I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. I'm going to feel sad about it. And then I'm going to move on and I'm going to redirect my focus on something that I can control and I can change in this moment. It's regrounding yourself in the moment. Yeah. So what you need to try and. So your higher self, if you are hurt, then your higher self would step in and say, as hard as it is, you're going to look at it. You're going to see this situation for what it is. You're going to be present with it. You are going to give it the love and compassion that it deserves because you can't exile that part of yourself that's hurt or that's maybe embarrassed or feels ashamed because you can't cut off a part of yourself and expect to be whole. Or to feel whole, yeah. Yeah. So the lower shadow self, it's going to hurt and you're going to try and cover it up and you're going to try and numb it. And how we numb it is probably through unhealthy... Um, habits, um, whether it be addiction or whether it be alcohol or whether it be, I mean, something as simple as aimlessly scrolling on mm -hmm. your social medias. I mean, just something where you're disassociating mm -hmm. to a point where you don't have to think about it. You're numbing it. You're not present. present with it. You're just avoiding it at all costs. And then you think that you're dealing with it, but you're not. You're just pushing it away, pushing it down. Eventually, it's going to come back up. Mm -hmm. So it's better to heal it Mm -hmm. figure out why you feel that way so that we don't have to come back. Right. So now we're going to kind of go into how to spot the shadow self when it emerges, how to identify what's the more evolved version of you and what's the more damaged aspects Unhealed. of yourself. Yeah, the, the part that needs a little bit extra love. Yeah, <laughs> that's like this and TLC coming up because it feels like it needs to protect you, right? Mm -hmm. You kind of essentially being triggered, mm -hmm. activated. Yeah, that's a better word. Childhood wound activated. <laughs> <laughs> so the shadow self, you can become more aware of it by noticing, kind of like Ronnie was saying, the triggers within yourself or what activates you. 
So what is a trigger? That is something that reminds you of past trauma. It's an occurrence that happens usually with another person, right? And you Mm -hmm. guys could be talking about something that may be a little bit of that soft spot in there, that Mm -hmm. part that is still has like a scab on it, you Mm -hmm. know, like it's not totally healed. So when someone essentially starts pulling that scab off because it's making you uncomfortable about talking about it, it's triggering you. And that's what that is. It's Mm -hmm. pulling out this shadow self. Mm Mm-hmm. And like we talked about in last week's episode, you are emotionally stunted at the age where you were the most traumatized. So when you become triggered, it's really, let's say, like for me, I don't know for certain, but if I had to guess, it'd be around like 13, 14 year old Taylor that was triggered or traumatized the most. So when I get triggered, it's really that aspect of me like coming to the forefront. Like 13-year-old Taylor. Please. She didn't know nothing. Sit down, baby. Baby girl. Sit down, honey. She needed a hug. But imagine like arguing with someone that doesn't know anything. Do you know how exhausting that is? Yeah. (laughs) It was probably really difficult. So what these triggers are, they're basically like messengers. And they kind of enable us to become more conscious of something that's buried deep within us that is unhealed. So it's giving you the opportunity to kind of dive deeper into your wounds into things that are unconsciously happening Mm -hmm. that you don't even really know that are going on inside you Mm -hmm. because you're not choosing to be that like 13 wounded self in that moment you were just taken right back to that single moment Mm -hmm. and you were like wait a second Mm -hmm. i don't feel safe Mm -hmm. is really usually where it comes from i don't feel safe Mm -hmm. because yes what is happening right now in that moment did trigger you but it's pulling you back to a moment in time that you experienced that first wound that is resembling this thing that is occurring in your life at this moment so these things could be like feeling excluded maybe you were scolded a lot i know a lot of people can relate to being judged that's triggering or (laughs) for me is being disrespected or someone being very condescending Maybe you were ignored a lot. Mine are like the un- feeling unjust, feeling mm-hmm. like I understand life's not fair. Mm-hmm. I definitely get that. But I think that when things could be fair and it's deliberately not fair, then it's kind of like that's triggering because like we're going out of our way to make it difficult for another person mm-hmm. and we don't need to be doing that. Right. Being controlled, manipulated. I mean, it's just like anything that can be happening in your waking life. That makes you feel those types of things. It's going to teleport you back Mm -hmm. to that place in your life that was not pretty. And once you're able to put a label on it, you decrease the effect that it has on you. It allows you to kind of step back from that initial emotional reaction and you can now observe it. And ideally, you want to observe it without judgment in order to understand it. Because once you understand it, then you can integrate it, Mm -hmm. right? If I was really, really tired... That's when I would get triggered very easily. Yeah. If I was stressed just about life, that's when I'm getting triggered easily. Mm-hmm. So for instance, like my daughter's running around like a crazy person. She's being a kid. And just the hypothetical day, I was really tired. I was really stressed out. I was dealing with a lot of life things. And my child was just simply being a child. And because I was on edge and feeling kind of out of control, I'm going to turn around and just lash out and be like, I need you to sit down. I need you to calm down. When in reality, I'm the one that needs to sit down and I'm the one that needs to calm down. Mm -hmm. So I tried really hard to identify my triggers. If something started to get on my nerves, I would go internally and be like, Ronnie, are you tired? And when I started doing that, I was realizing that I wasn't lashing out as much. Mm -hmm. And it's finding why 
it triggers you, whether it be lack of sleep, your environment, life. I don't really know what I was trying to say because it's like the same because thing as triggers, but it's not. That your lack of sleep isn't the trigger. Your lack of sleep is the reason why your nervous system is not yes. regulated, which can make you become triggered more easily, mm-hmm. right? So the exercises that we'll talk about are going to help you regulate your nervous system because once you're out of fight or flight, you're able to be more aware of things. And that's when you can really look at things from a higher perspective. And you may find it's easier to kind of recognize your shadow self versus your higher self in those moments. But when you, you know, you didn't eat that day mm-hmm. or you're, just you're tired, you're running on no sleep, you drop the ball on something at work and it's just all these different things. Maybe there's a lot of stimulation in your environment, whether that's visually auditorily, tactilely. I consider myself a hypersensitive person. So like my nervous system is just turned up a bit compared to the average person, I would say. So different types of clothing, if it's rubbing me the wrong way, that's going to really irritate me. Maybe you haven't moved your body in a while. So that lack of movement, that's all going to kind of add up to where your nervous system is not regulated, which causes you to be more triggered, which causes you to project those triggers onto other people around you. And that kind of goes into our next topic that we wanted to talk about in terms of like spotting your shadow. So what is a projection? A projection is when people dislike something in themselves, they're going to point it out in other people. Ooh. So Debo. <laughs> do you remember that one? No. Oh my god, that one was big in my middle school. Debo. No, you just say it like, you got burned, Debo. That's what one of them was. I don't know. (laughs) Kids are weird. Anyways, but yeah. Like we were talking about earlier, like the universe, its path for you is only growth, right? So it's going to work in a way that is trying to make us whole. Because separation is not the human being's natural state of being, right? It's wholeness. It's oneness. And so your subconscious will continually try to get your attention to try to integrate what's there, what's unhealed. So I'll use the example. You're at the pool and this girl is just talking about this other girl across the pool who's just in a bikini and she's looking good. She's owning it. And that girl's like, oh, ew, I don't like girls like that. She's doing too much. Oh, that's too skimpy. I, I wouldn't wear that if I were her. That thing's going up her butt. All these things. And it's projection. It's projection. Maybe the person who's saying that really doesn't feel comfortable enough in their own skin in order to pull off something like that. Or maybe they're too worried about what others may say. So they're projecting their own insecurities onto someone else who is just minding their own business. They are just living authentically themselves. And that is triggering to somebody else who is unhealed. And it's all just a mirror. If you are talking poorly about somebody, it's probably because you're jealous. Or Or because you do it. And you're not realizing. Like you're bothered by it. So you think other people need to be bothered by it. Nah. Someone once told you that about yourself. So you shunned that aspect of yourself. Right. So now anybody who does that. That's triggering for you. Because you were told you couldn't do that. You couldn't act that certain way. You couldn't be that person. And so when you see somebody authentically. You know living their truth. That's going to bother some people. But I mean it's for your highest good. It's coming up for you. In order for you to be aware of it. To be like, whoa, what's really going on? Why does that bother me so much? You have to really question that type of thing. This just circles back to what we've been saying in our Laws of the Universe episodes. Go listen to those if you haven't. But people, places, and things, they're all a mirror 
for us and they reflect back to us what we really are and things that maybe needs a little tweaking in ourselves. Maybe. Who knows? Probably. Not maybe. Probably. Probably. (laughs) Okay. And so that kind of flows into our next point, which is the fact that you can only avoid these things for so long, right? And avoiding it is not healing it. Even though you push it away, it's still there. You're just adding gasoline to it. it. You know what I mean? The only way healing can happen is when you're triggered, you choosing to move through that pain, that pattern, or that story that you're telling yourself and kind of walk away to a different ending. Think of your triggers and your shadow self as like a burn pile. So it's in your backyard and you're just throwing stuff on top of it, stuff on top of stuff on top of stuff. And eventually it's going to be three miles high Mm -hmm. until you're ready to burn it down to the ground Mm -hmm. and basically be reborn again through those ashes. Burn it down. Burn it to the ground. Okay. Another way that we're going to talk about how to spy your shadow self is recognizing the patterns that keep repeating in your life. As in like the patterns that you're noticing in yourself or like lessons that keep happening in the like the outside both it's all correlated right mm-hmm. 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 that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. what she said <laughs> so the reason that our soul is pointing us to these specific lessons is because our shadow wants to be seen it wants to be accepted so these patterns will continue to show up for you in different ways but same lesson nonetheless. And until you're ready to look at them and break the cycle, then they are just going to keep circling back through your life. This is my favorite one that I've learned. The universe will send you the same lesson over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Call it a pattern, if you will, Mm -hmm. until you learn it. Each time it's going to get more and more embarrassing, more and more vulnerable, more and more, more and more of a slap. One, two. Mm -hmm. It's going to rock your shit if you choose to not learn it. And I could say that from personal experience. I really resonate with this one specifically. And that's why I feel like I can talk to you guys about this stuff. Let me just preface this by saying, in no way am I here to speak ill of anyone. Because still to this day, anybody that I have shared a past with, at least on my terms, like, we're good. You know, I can't speak for the other individual. But it's all love on my end. We're not going to carry that around with us. So one of the main patterns that I've noticed within my past experiences comes in the form of betrayal of trust, whether that's, you know, betrayal of those whom I've shared intimate relationships with or, you know, betrayal of friends and even down to my own betrayal of myself. I think that's why this pattern comes up for me a lot because I think at the end of the day, the main issue was that I was betraying myself and not kind of standing up for myself in situations where I should have chosen me. But I chose to stay with somebody because they provided me any type of emotional validation. And since I wasn't getting any or I had been completely void of that, for most of my life, I was clinging to that for dear life. That just wasn't healthy. I found myself tolerating a lot of things that I knew deep down weren't serving me. And I was still caught up in a limiting belief in which I thought I didn't deserve good things. 
or, you know, this is the best I could get. So I might as well like settle for it. Or I know how good these relationships felt at one time. So I'm going to stick around until it feels that good again. But you know, once that trust has been broken, there's no real coming back from that. And I saw the red flags, but I was just wearing my rose-colored glasses, you know, because I saw the good in people. I see your potential. You know, I just decided to look the other way. And every time I looked the other way, and it's just reaffirming to the universe that this is what I think I deserve. And so... Embarrassing. Embarrassing. Standards who? They were beneath the floor. What are they? Non-existent. We know better now because of where I started, but girly, we started from the bottom. And that's okay because I earned where I'm at in my life today. I know that I have been through the ringer and I've come out on the other side of it. And I can look at my past experiences from a more like healed perspective. I don't feel like I'm the victim in any way. I own my own mistakes because I'm accountable for choosing to stay in certain situations where the trust was no longer there. And at that point, I was being disrespectful to myself. I didn't understand the ramifications at the time to stay with someone or to keep these types of energies around me what that would do to my overall energy and the experiences that come as a result of who you choose to surround yourself with. I mean, each time I got to a breaking point where the universe would kind of bring me to my knees, you know what I mean? There was nowhere else to go but to turn inward and really look at myself. Obviously, I'm doing something that keeps manifesting these same types of situations within my own reality, especially like in my first real relationship. I think that's where this pattern kind of really took root because there were so many times that my trust was betrayed. And each time I stuck around, I was like, that's my man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's <laughs> mine. Adam. And I'm going to stick beside him. <laughs> and because that wound that was created was so like, girl, it was deep. It, it was in the veins. It was in the cells. Obviously, like my next relationship was still going to have some fragments of that lesson still lingering within it. You know what I mean? Because once I finally did walk away, sure, I learned my lesson. My lesson was choose me always. Know your worth. But earth is a school and it will continue to test you until you learn that lesson. So I found myself within a string of relationships that the other person embodied That same characteristic. That same lesson. That same lesson. Those same mm, qualities. Yeah. And, you know, it was always to varying degrees. Each time it got a little less, a little less, but it was still there. It was like that characteristic itself kind of weakened. And each time the person I was with would get a little bit closer to like my ideal counterpart, right? So it was like, well, I mean, he's a little bit more perfect. Do you stick around? No, because that same lesson is still presenting itself to you. So think of it like a spiral. You're going to keep circling back to that same lesson until you fully learn it. It's like an aha moment. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, so that's what I have been doing this whole time, Mr. Manager, sir. Okay. (laughs) So, Roddy, do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, your own personal experiences as far as recognizing the patterns within your own life? Yeah. So I think that I kind of really delved into this whole spiritual shadow work, shadow self, higher self thing, kind of like just trying to figure out what that is. 
after I met you and with this past relationship. The past relationship was the thing that kind of brought to light and I started noticing like whether his response would be A or B, what's sad, and thankfully my dad doesn't listen to this podcast, but I that was one thing I was like, God, he reminds me of my father. And looking back at all other, I'm not saying my dad's a bad guy. It's just I um, would prefer not to be in a relationship with my dad. <laughs> it's not really the type of man that I want. Uh-huh. Um, we just want something different, and that's okay. But um, I – exactly. Let's, uh, let's switch things up. So looking back at all of the other relationships I have, because we're going to be vulnerable right now, up until this point, I didn't know any better. And mm-hmm. I would have a boyfriend – And then think that they were my one true love and thought that they were going to come and rescue me and save me and help me figure out what's going on with me. And then each time they couldn't do that because they're dealing with their own things that I know now my feelings are not anybody else's responsibility except for my own to figure out. But little Ronnie, when she first started dating, when she was 15, she had her first boyfriend and lost her virginity (laughs) and all of that. That was very, um, I'm not going to say it was traumatic, but it was one of those things that kind of alter your brain chemistry. So then from that point forward, I thought that the only way to find validation and love was through that by having a boyfriend and having outward ex- uh, external validation and having someone feel close to you and all of that stuff. So I only realized this until this last relationship, but in all of them looking at the grand divine plan of my relationships, I realized that I was attracting the same type of person. Mm -hmm. Now that's not their fault because I personally think that you're going to attract people who are at your vibrational level. So I just realized that I was choosing the same types of relationships and same types of characteristics and qualities in a person that I didn't necessarily want. Mm -hmm. I would move way too quickly in um, relationships. Come to find out I had, I'm not going to say I have, because we've been consciously trying not to be having the anxious attachment style. Basically, if they were doing good, I was doing good. Mm -hmm. I would overextend myself and like overly love and overly give. And then when they're just simply trying to exist, right? And then I would get hurt and not understand why someone wasn't doing those things for me. I mean, I told you, I don't think that there was ever a time when I was single for more than like three months. I mean, that is absolutely ridiculous. That's wild. It makes me look back and cringe, but I didn't know any better. Subconsciously, I knew what I was doing. Yeah. Consciously at the waking level, I was like, I just want someone to love me. Why can't someone love me? And up until 25, when we first met, No, excuse me. Up until I was about 26, I started dating so-and-so when I was 25. So up until that relationship, that's when I started to realize, like, I'm either going to marry this man and I'm going to have the same life as a couple I know, or I can break this narrative and just try and heal myself and figure out what I actually want. But I think that me leaving that relationship and then having to come home was the ultimate test. It was like, you're either going to sit here and you're going to stick it out and you are going to learn what you actually need out of life or you're going to go and try and find another relationship and have someone essentially try and take care of you. Like that hasn't worked up until this point, right? right? So going back home to mom and dad's, that was the ultimate test. It's like, get your shit together, babe, Mm -hmm. and you're about to have the greatest life and you're going to do it on your own. Mm -hmm. Do you know how validating it was when I bought my car? Mm -hmm. 
myself Mm -hmm. when I'm about to sign on an apartment by myself and it's just going to be me and my girl and I did that Mm -hmm. while working on yourself and working full time and being a mom and being a friend and being this and being that is hard I'm not saying but I rather I rather be doing it than not doing it exactly because I didn't like the way I felt I didn't like who I was I don't want to be in that same loop loop yeah like Groundhog's Day over and over again let's try something different but, but yeah, so just realizing the conscious patterns uh-huh. and realizing, too, we got to knock it off and we got to quit the people pleasing. We got to stick to the boundaries we say, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like we both shared the same experience of, like, life kind of brought you to your knees in order to for you to finally, like, stand up and be like, I've had enough. No one's coming to save me. I have to save myself. If you're waiting for someone to come and save you, you are wasting your time. Yeah. No one is going to do that except for yourself. Because no one knows those inner aspects of yourself, the ones that were hurt, right? Only you know that. Only you know how that pain felt when, you know, someone said a certain thing or when you felt excluded or, like, ashamed of something you've done. Only you know to the core what that felt like for you. So only you can do that work in order to heal that aspect of yourself and kind of bring that missing part of you back to life. Yeah. We talked about a lot, but that was basically just going into like what shadow is. Triggers and patterns. Figure out what yours are. Yeah. I just want to remind everybody that the topics that we're talking about today, they can be really heavy can activate maybe a very uncomfortable feeling within self. Yeah. And it could be difficult to kind of process these aspects of yourself and maybe why they happen. And maybe you've put off knowing this side of you for so long that it can be just jarring what may come up once you start sitting with yourself and really going within and doing that inner healing. We just want to let you know of what's out there because I came from a place of not knowing that these things existed. And it's okay that you feel anxious. If you feel depressed, that's normal. I didn't want to feel like that anymore. So I wanted to take control of myself. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. And, you know, all of the things that we're talking about, like I wasn't taught these things either growing up, but I wish I would have been because it would have made things a whole heck of a lot easier for me. But I feel like I needed to go through what I went through in order to find out about these types of things to be able to relay this information to you guys because I do think what I've learned from you know doing the inner child healing and what I've experienced as a result is just proof that it does work and I mean you just have to take my word for that I I did my life got a lot better so speaking from experience I mean you really just have to trust the process you know it may not make sense to you at first but trust that you're going in the right direction and the cost of not doing the inner work is the life that you could have lived I mean, the choice is up to you whether you want to go there with yourself or not, but I think everybody could benefit from doing a little inner work and just being a little bit more introspective. And so, yeah, that about sums up today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please leave a rate, review, or subscribe to our podcast. Or if you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. It really helps us get our name out there. And you can follow us on Instagram at the Tango to keep up with us. Please email us at welcome at thetabutango.com. We would love to hear what you all have to say about your own personal experiences, your own personal trials, what you're going through now. If maybe something opened up your eyes that we said, we would love to hear about it. 
And um, something that we touched on too was the inner monologue that people have inside them. Um, some people don't have them at all. What goes on in your head? Let us know. We'd love to know. But yeah. Until next time. Stay, stay weird. weird.